Welcome to the Determined Truth Podcast. What the truth? You can't handle the truth. Where we aim to explore questions of truth, the scriptures, and what it means for the church today. Here are your hosts, Rob Dalrymple and Vinny Angelo. Hey everyone, how's it going? We are uh, back in our series, going through the New Testament. We're, if you're listening in real time, we're doing this a little out of order because we finished through the Book of Romans, gosh, a, f- a few weeks ago, and there was an interview we wanted to get that we couldn't get until today. And so this is actually related to the Romans interview. So if you're listening to this in real time, we're we're doing this a little out of order. But we have a guest on today that is coming from a different perspective of Christianity. He's a a Messianic Jew. And I know personally, this is an area of Christianity that I'm just unaware of. So many brothers and sisters that we have that are identified with a a specific, I don't don't even know if we call it sect or denomination. This is something that we're going to have to unpack. But I know that there's a lot of ignorance on my end. And Rob, so you had your friend, uh, Justin Crone, who you wanted to bring on to talk about this. So what do we want to do today? Yeah, excellent. So we are really excited to have our brother, uh, Justin Crone, uh, with us today. Again, the reason for this conversation is we discussed in the book of Romans, we, the question of Romans is, is God's faithfulness to the Jewish people and to the Jewish covenant, and how does that work and things of that nature? And we kind of spelled that out. And then we gave kind of my take on one whole episode of Romans 9 through 11. And then we brought in Gary Burge and Daryl Bach to kind of give us two different perspectives on the, the question of Judaism. And I thought, well, we're leaving out of this conversation now our, our messianic brothers and sisters in Christ and uh, messianic Judaism. So uh, we've called in Justin. Justin is uh, Kron is the founding director of the Kesher Project. Justin grew up with one foot in the Jewish world and one foot in the Christian world. And for 25 years, he's brought his experiences, insights to the churches and groups of all sizes and backgrounds to help them get better acquainted with Jesus in the Jewish context and to apply the wisdom of the Bible to their everyday lives. He frequently teaches on topics related to the Jewish foundations of the Christian faith, the history of Christian anti-Semitism, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, and demonstrating the love of God to the Jewish community. Since 2009, uh, Justin has been the court, been coordinating the Kesher Forum, which is interdenominational gathering for those who are interested in learning more about the Jewish culture and building bridges with their Jewish friends and neighbors. He's led over 20 tours to the Holy Land. He's also an adjunct professor for Jewish Studies Department at the Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. And in May of 2021, in partnership with the Philos Project, he released an award-winning documentary film that he co-created with Todd Moorhead called Hope in the Holy Land, uh, delving beneath the surface of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. He's had the privilege of doing his graduate studies at Moody Theological Seminary and is very grateful to the, that the Cubs have won the World Series <laughs> once in his lifetime uh, with his wife, uh, Judy, who's the senior producer for Bold Steps with Dr. Mark Job, And she's also the assistant manager of programming for Moody Radio. They have three children, and they enjoy living with their dog, uh, Ivy, in the suburbs of Chicago. So, Justin, welcome. Hey, thanks, uh, Rob and Vinny. Really good to be with you. And uh, I I must say, also really good that I did get one Cub championship. It's a big deal. Oh, yeah. Very big deal. So, let me segue really quickly. So, uh, my family's from Boston, as Vinny knows all too well. And uh, (laughs) we experienced tragic heartbreak I, I actually thought in 2004 the red sox and cubs were going to make it in the world series i'm like oh no one of them has mm-hmm, to win mm-hmm. what's you know what's going to happen here and as a red sox fan you, you know that i'm thinking oh, we're going to lose to the cubs and as a cubs fan you're like oh, we're going to lose to the red sox yeah and then that didn't happen but when the red sox did win the world series i called my mom up right and she you know, was born in 1940 never once in her lifetime in the red sox won the world series and i said i said mom you know we did it and she goes yeah 
I always wanted the Red Sox to win the World Series once in my lifetime. What do I do now? Die? Like, no, mom. No, you, you don't die. You know. But uh, so I know I know your heartbreak uh, very well. Obviously, we've experienced quite a bit of, of victory in the last number of years. So hopefully, the Cubs can do it again for you. So it'd be but, really nice. So yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, so Justin, we you know we talked beforehand before we started here that Vinny and I really come to this with like we just want to know and help understand and our questions are not in any way meant to be contentious at all. We just were, they're just inquiring. So kind of, would you kind of just start us off with like, what is Messianic Judaism and, and help us understand that if I can just kind of leave that as a, take as much time as you want, and then we'll ask some more questions regarding it. Yeah. The, the, the simple answer to what is Messianic Judaism is that it's a biblical Judaism that, that it is the fulfillment of God's promises to the Jewish people that he would bring a Messiah who would not only redeem us, but redeem the world. Uh, so we're Jews who believe that Jesus is the Messiah. So that that's the real simple answer. Where it, it gets maybe a little bit more complicated than would be how we then choose to live mm-hmm. as Jewish believers in the Messiah. What what does that then look like? Now, for centuries, uh, when Jews came to believe that that Jesus was the Christ, was was the Messiah, they generally just assimilated into mm-hmm. the into the larger, uh, what we would call the larger Christian culture, or whatever the you know the dominant culture was within the church, and we would lose our identity. Mm-hmm. Well, approximately 150 years ago or so was what was known as the the Hebrew uh, Christian movement, the, the mm. Hebrew Christian Alliance, which started over in, in Europe. Most people would, would connect it to the Anglican Church, the Church's Mission to the Jews, CMJ, which is a ministry that continues uh, to this day. Uh, and that, that eventually then formed into what was known as the Messianic Jewish Alliance of America uh, in the late 60s, early 70s. And and that happened because it was uh, Jewish believers who were saying, "Hey, you know, we we don't need to check our Jewish identity at the door in order to be followers of Jesus. We can still maintain mm-hmm. this this Jewish lifestyle." Uh, I, I try to help people uh, best understand, like, what is a messianic community or what is a messianic congregation like? Like, why does that exist? Why why don't you just become a part of a right. local church, right? Right. So imagine, if you would, with me, uh, whatever the, the local Jewish congregation is near you, Robert, or near okay. you, Vinny. And, and let's just say, let's just say that the rabbi, his name is Rabbi Goldberg, right? And, you know, pr- probably a good chance that his name probably is Rabbi Goldberg. <laughs> okay. um, and that he comes to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Not only does Rabbi Goldberg come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, but his entire congregation agrees with them. Okay. Yes, Jesus is the Messiah. Now, you, Rob, you, Vinny, what then would you expect Rabbi Goldberg and his congregation to do mm. as they start to live out their faith in the Messiah, to, to live out their calling as believers? Would you expect them to now suddenly change the name? Of their synagogue from I don't know Beth Israel uh, to uh, the House of House of Christ or mm-hmm. I don't know right First, first Baptist Church First yeah. Baptist <laughs> Church yeah. uh, 
so should they change their name? Should they now remove the the Jewish symbol? Should they mm. take down the Star of David and put up a cross? Mm. Should they hand in their siddur, their Hebrew liturgy, for a hymnal? Mm. Um, should they now stop celebrating Passover and Hanukkah and Rosh Hashanah, uh, the the Jewish New Year? And now let's start celebrating Christmas and, and Easter. Is, is that what we would expect that congregation okay. to do? And we as as Jewish believers, as Messianic Jews, would say, no, no, absolutely not. They they should continue within their cultural identity and live out, as long as it doesn't contradict the teachings of the scriptures, live out that identity in Messiah as Jews. This is interesting because uh, one of the things that Rob and I have pointed out many times as we've gone through the New Testament, especially when it's issues involving Jew-Gentile relations, whether it's in the book of Acts or in Romans, is you have this issue where the church is Jewish. It's Jewish people following Israel's Messiah, and it's not like there's this Jew, it's not like there's the Jews and then the church, like we think of it today the church is largely Jewish in those first number of decades. And the issues were then coming up, like we see it in Acts 10 or Acts 15 or Galatians or Romans or these things. It's how do we include Gentiles in this faith? Mm -hmm. And it's funny how we have the symmetry now where in, like you said, in the last 150 years, because the Gentiles, uh, it, this is largely a Gentile religion. It's like the opposite has had to happen. So I'm just, I'm just picturing this chronological symmetry where you're having to do kind of the, the, the same thing on the opposite side. What do you do for Jews who come to faith in Messiah now? What does that look like for them? <laughs> so it's just, yeah. it's just really interesting. Yeah, exactly right. That was the big question in the, in the early church. What do we do with the Gentiles? Mm -hmm. Are they now supposed to take on the Mosaic law and, you know, how do they live? And what was the decision that was made? Don't don't make it burdensome for them to, mm. to be followers of Jesus. There, there's certain mm. things that, yes, they should do, but no, they should continue within their non-Jewish identity. And so here we are now 2,000 years later, and of course, with the majority of the, the church overwhelmingly being non-Jewish uh, followers mm -hmm. of, of Jesus, the question then becomes, well, now what do we do when Jews be become believers? Mm -hmm. How should they then live? And so, you know, the simple answer is we just say, continue living as Jews. Okay. So now I can see some Christians going, yeah, but the New Testament says... Mm -hmm. that those Old Testament feasts or those Old Testament practices were fulfilled by Jesus and therefore they're transformed so that, for example, like Sunday worship, I don't know if you guys worship on Sunday or Saturday, but, and you can answer that in a second, and Sunday worship is to honor the resurrection of Jesus. So you, if you're going to be a, a Christian, you need to understand it from the New Testament perspective and transform those Old Testament things to the ways that we're doing it. And you're saying, well, no, we're not, so how do you respond to that? And, and what's kind of the idea behind that then? Yeah, do you yeah. worship well, on Saturdays? Yeah. What's Shabbat yeah. look like for you guys? So, yeah. So Shabbat would be, uh, you know, Friday at sundown to, okay. to Saturday okay. at sundown. Okay. And and, okay. and it's going to look different for uh, almost every Jewish believer. You know, it right. really kind of depends to what does your community do? What does your, what does your family do? And, and just as there are differences 
in I guess let's just say in in Gentile denominations. Right. Uh, that that's not the best way to you know label it, but you understand what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, exactly. So in, sure. Um, just as there's differences there, there's going to be differences within the Messianic community. Okay. But generally, yeah. it's going to you know it's going to begin with a, a Shabbat meal on on Friday night, just like oh, it nice. would be in the mainstream Jewish community, <laughs> uh, and then service Saturday morning. Uh, of course, instead of a Sunday morning. But, you know, let's, as believers, let's realize, too, every day is a day of worship yes, for yes, us. Sure. But as far as what our tradition is when we gather, uh, you know, that would be that would be on Saturdays. Um, and so to, to the, you know, to the question about, you know, festivals. Right. Um, you know, Which Paul is where Shabbat thinks, would fall under that, right? Like Sabbath yeah, falls Shabbat, under the festival. Shabbat, Exactly. Um, so that's that's the weekly festival, but mm-hmm. then you've got the annual festivals. Mm-hmm. Now, Paul does write in Colossians 2, verse 17, I believe it is, that all of the festivals mm-hmm. were a shadow of, of the things to mm-hmm. come. The reality or the substance, however, is found in Christ. It's found in the Messiah. So we would look at that and say, okay, all of the biblical festivals that God gave to the people of Israel were ultimately given to them. To, to us to help us to better understand what the life and ministry of the Messiah would be. And so as we engage with those festivals, it helps us to better understand who he is. We, we would also say, well, look at the Apostle Paul. Look at the disciples, the, the early followers of, of Yeshua, of Jesus. They continued to observe those festivals. They didn't see anything wrong with it or that somehow that they had been erased because now Jesus had fulfilled the purpose of them. So for them, it was, these are vehicles for worship. These are vehicles that enable us to engage with the redemptive ministry, with the redemptive work of the Messiah. I have so many questions. There's so many like areas that I want to ask yeah. about this, or I don't even know like which, which direction we want to start off. Do you have, do you have a clear I, direction on where you want to go, Rob? Or No, no, go ahead. Or Justin, you want to say you something, have, Justin? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say too. I I would say the the one thing that would probably connect messianic Jews because, you know, there's theological differences okay. amongst among right. messianic Jews, but the the one thing that would connect us together would be the observance of the Jewish or the biblical calendar. Okay. Mm. That would be the one thing that brings us all together. And, and okay. even that look can look a little different. So there's going to be some emphasis, more emphasis put on certain holidays over other holidays. Uh, and some of that is just cultural. You know, for, for me, for example, I didn't grow up celebrating Sukkot, the Festival of Booths. That wasn't a big part of, yeah. of my family experience. So for me today, I don't put as much emphasis on that as I do, say, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the, the high holidays. Mm-hmm. Uh, or even uh, for, for me, Hanukkah tends to be a big deal for me and my family, okay. uh, because that's that that was always a big cultural holiday, and part of that is thanks to Christmas, you know, the commercialization of mm-hmm. of Christmas and 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 Hanukkah followed. So, but generally, it's going to be the biblical festivals that tie us all together. All right. So, do you celebrate Easter? So, this is a question too for okay. uh, right, yeah. for a very good question for us. I do. So okay. I, you know, I married uh, a, a non-Jewish believer. Okay. Uh, you know, Easter was, uh, you know, very important to her growing up. 
uh, as you also mentioned in in my bio, I had the privilege of growing up with a foot in both worlds, and that's because I I came to faith uh, at a younger age, and so became very much very familiar with the church and, and church traditions. Uh, and so, yes, I would be someone who celebrates Easter, but there's a good number of Messianic Jews oh. who don't. Now, does that mean right? That exactly. Messianic Jews don't believe in, in the, the resurrection, resurrection of Lord. Jesus? Yeah, right. right. Of, of course they do, right? Okay. okay. Um, but they just wouldn't celebrate it on that particular day. I have a question. You mentioned something like Sukkot, uh, the festival of of booths of tabernacles. Isn't that happening right now? Yeah, it's, it's actually it it is happening uh, right now. We're we're right in the midst of it, uh, and uh, this Shabbat is what's known as the Hoshana Rabbah. Okay, which uh, should be uh, the festival of of joy or the Sabbath of joy, um, the the Sabbath of of redemption, uh, which. You know, should be a festival that is familiar, actually, to, to most Christians, because when we read about Jesus, he and it's, uh, what is it, John chapter seven? seven I, I, yeah. I was actually just going to ask about that. What, what, is that yeah. what does that mean for your community or a community that might that uh, might celebrate Sukkot? What does that look like then when you're reading the New Testament and you're seeing something like John chapter seven? Does that take on a different type of meeting or from a... a expository standpoint what do you guys what would what would a congregation that focuses on that what would what would you do with that so this is uh, what i love about messianic judaism um is that we're always looking at jesus we're looking at the new testament through this jewish lens what's the context what's the the cultural historical context of the text and so you look at uh the feast of sukkot Jesus is there at the temple. It's the last and greatest day of the feast, the text tells us. That's John 7, right? 37 through 39, mm -hmm. if you're listening. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. The last and greatest day of the feast. So we know that as the Hoshana Rabbah. And what's happening on that day? What's happening on that day that the text doesn't tell you, the, you know, John just assumes his readers are mm -hmm. going to know, is you have the, the water libation ceremony. Mm -hmm. Right, right where you have the priests who are going down to the pool of Shalom, who are taking the water from that, from that pool, which is the water source of Jerusalem, bringing it up to the uh, temple altar, pouring the water over the altar and giving thanks to God for how he's provided the water that provides for the, for the crops, for that provides life. But it's the Hoshana Rabbah, which is the one day that the common people of the of the day were able to go into the temple courts to see the ceremony occur. Oh, oh. And so what happens in that moment? You have Jesus who then declares, you know, that that he is. Mm -hmm. um, what, what, uh, you, do you have the text right in front of you, Rob? <laughs> well, so he said in John 7, in 7, 37 to 39, he says, that if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink, verse 37. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the spirit, whom those mm -hmm. who believed in him were to receive, for the spirit was not yet given. Is, is that the text that you that you're yeah, referring to? Yeah, that's exactly okay. the text. I'm glad yep. you had it open. I, I, I was going to think, can I recite that all by memory? No, <laughs> Rob, thank you. You're welcome. Um, and so we we read that and we, we look at the, the greater context. And so those are the type of things that we're going to talk about and, and celebrate within the Messianic congregation.
Interesting. Yeah. And by the way, the, the background for the Feast of Tabernacles that Justin just kind of gave is so significant for understanding John whole, 7. Oh, yeah. And, and even and that John whole 8, section. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and John yeah. 8 and John 9. Because in John 8 and John 9, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Yep. And what you didn't cover, Justin, is they had these massive mm -hmm. candles Bowls, or yeah. lights that lit the entire city of Jerusalem up. And remember, in an ancient world where there's no city lights, once the sun sets, you got moonlight. That's all you might have. So now you get the city is lit up. And so it's, he also says on that feast, right? On that last and greatest day, I am the light of the world. It's like, oh, wow, you're, this is pointing yeah. you to, this is pointing to you, huh? That's what this is all about. Okay, interesting. So, yeah, so it's, it's a lot of, I'll just say it's a lot of fun for us. Um, and, and too, that we get to, to share it with guys like you, that there are these streams from the Hebrew scriptures all the way into the New Testament mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that bring continuity to the to the story, mm -hmm. okay. to God's redemptive story. And, and so much of it, so much of it is tied to these festivals uh, that God gave to the people of Israel. Hey everyone, thanks again for listening to the podcast. We really appreciate it and hopefully it's blessing you. Hey, do us a favor, if this is something that you are digging, if it's helping you, if it's uh, encouraging you, take a second just to like it, give it a review, give it you know, five stars if you think it's five star worthy, uh, share it with your friends. And we just wanna get this out to more people. Uh, this isn't something that we're in for the bucks, but it's something that we wanna encourage and equip people with. So do that, help us out, and now we'll get back to the podcast. So let me ask a question then, because uh, you're talking about things like festivals, things that in the Gentile calendar, this has no significance. And I would even say in myself until a couple of years ago, when I, when I taught through the gospel of John in a, in a Sunday school context, I didn't even really understand John. Cause I never delved into the background of, of all these festivals that John is bringing up. And I'm realizing there's this whole background that I'm not getting. Cause as a sola scriptura Christian we don't pay attention to these other outside things that, you know, that like, yeah, like yeah. you said, Justin, John assumes his readers understand. And we just don't, cause that's so far removed from where we're at and we just don't carry on that tradition. So let me ask a question where, uh, and, th and this might go now to how we see Torah or God's law or the tradition in general, because you've, you've talked about festivals. Let, let's say I'm, I'm living in Chicago area for some reason, because I want to forsake my Oakland people, my Oakland land people. And so I'm like, man, I need to go to Chicago. And so I, I'm like, I, I know Justin, I'm going to go to his church. I'm going to fellowship with brothers and sisters, but it's a messianic church. I'm this Gentile full on Italian dude who's coming in. What does that look like for me? Let's assume this is like an ex- 10 Acts 15 yeah. Roman situation. What does it look like for me to engage in your con mm -hmm. congregation? Where What are the expectations of what your congregation and, and what your brothers and sisters are going to be practicing because of uh, you know a, a tradition and a, and a heritage there? What would be a, the expectation on me? What would not be? Could there be conflict where it's like, okay, we're not going to expect Vinny to do this, but it's also because could there be any uh, temptation to be like, yeah, because you're not fully one of us? Like, what, what does this look like? Yeah. So, uh, what does it look like? So, where where I attend, it it would look like. Make sure you understand that you're not Jewish. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so don't start acting like a Jew. Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. Don't right. don't don't start putting on the the yarmulke. Don't don't put on the talit. Uh, don't uh, try to take on uh, a, a Jewish accent, whatever that may be. Okay. <laughs> uh, probably something that sounds like you're from Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and understand that you're Gentile, okay, and that you can appreciate these 
these festivals, these traditions, this way of life. And in some ways, mm. you can participate, right? Uh, but don't think that you now all of a sudden, because you are participating in them, that you're now that you're now Jewish. So it, it really kind of depends to which which congregation you're a part of. There are some congregations uh, that seem to attract uh, Gentiles and encourage them to live mm. in a in a Jewish way. That would not be that would not be a congregation that I would recommend. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Uh, but I just I think it's important for listeners to know that that does happen. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Uh, and I would just would say, look at that from a Jewish perspective. If if you're not a believer in the Messiah and you see Gentiles who are starting to act like Jews, but who aren't Jews, it seems like there's an appropriation of of culture there that uh, mm. is going is going too far, mm. okay. and and would and it would be a big turnoff. Because um, so much of this is wrapped in theological garb, right? Mm -hmm. On both sides. Because I, I think there are some Christian, we'll call them Gentiles, Gentiles who believe, oh, Judaism is the true way to go. And they try to become Jewish. And, and you're saying, no, don't do that. And then you're saying that there are also, there are Messianic Christians who are saying, no, yeah, you're supposed to do that. Right. Right. Exactly. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So I, I would say, so Vinny, don't check your non-Jewishness. Uh -huh. uh, you know, you're Italianist, right? Are you, you know, yeah, with a name like a... Vinny Angelo. I mean, I'm not <laughs> Polish. Yeah. <laughs> definitely <laughs> yeah. not. Um, br bring your perspectives, bring, bring your traditions to the table. Mm -hmm. I would say that that is, is a more healthy and balanced way to live out us being members of the same body, being okay. members of the body of, of Messiah. And so for you, then it's not a matter of wanting to keep a distinction to say, okay, well, your people are on that side and my people are on this side. We could all be in the same building, but we're not the same. It's more of saying, just don't, it's not about taking on something that you're not and truly living, if you want to call it that tribe or that, that thing that God made you just be that you don't have to pretend like you're something else. Just, just be that. Just, mm -hmm. just stay as you are, right? And uh, the Apostle That's Paul, First Corinthians, yeah, mm -hmm. say, yep. you know, to the circumcised, mm -hmm. you know, stay circumcised. To the uncircumcised, stay uncircumcised. I don't know if you can actually be do what, yeah. Um, become, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You under, but you understand. <laughs> we we what get the idea, saying. though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, do you, can I ask you a question? Do you guys practice communion? So yes. Oh, okay. All right. Um, but how do we practice communion? Okay. Yeah, please. We do it in the context of Passover. Okay. Oh. Right. So when communion, as as the church knows it, is formed, it's in the context of the mm -hmm. Passover and right. what we would call as a seder or mm -hmm. or a ceremony. And we believe okay. that that's what Yeshua, that's what Jesus was doing with his disciples. Okay. He he didn't invent something new yep. except. He took the elements that were already a part of the ceremony and said, now, when you drink of this cup, right now, when you, you break and, and eat of this bread, do it in remembrance of me. Okay. So many Messianic congregations would not do what we would say, uh, communion on the first uh, Sabbath or Sabbath first Sunday of the, month, of the yeah. month, right? Yeah, right, right. Uh, they would wait until passover 
okay. is observed. As an and then there thing. are there may be others who do choose to do it at other times of the year as well. Okay. But of course, it's always going to be talked about in the context of Passover. Okay. Now, there also seems to me, and again, I, I'm very ignorant on this, so help me with it, that there's a stress on calling Jesus Yeshua. And almost, am I right in saying that there's kind of a, a reticence about using the name Jesus, or is that unfair? I would say it's it's unfair, uh, okay. just simply uh, because, you know, depending upon what congregation, again, you're a part of, uh, a lot of people, when you say Yeshua, outside of the Messianic congregation, have no idea who you're talking about, Okay. right? So if you, if you want to be relevant to those who are outside, then, then use terminology that they understand. And for many Jewish people, if you're trying to be relevant to the Jewish community and you say Yeshua, they're going to be like, who are you talking about? Mm -hmm. And so then you're going to end up having to say Jesus. Now, there are some, of course, within the Messianic congregational um, community who are going to almost always use the, the term Yeshua. Okay. Um, you probably picked up from me by now just by listening I, I will interchange between the two. It doesn't, I noticed, it doesn't yeah. matter, mm -hmm. right? But again, if you want to encourage understanding Jesus in his Jewish context, uh, you would say Yeshua. Now, let's also, as the Bible scholars that we are, if you were to directly translate Yeshua into English, right. it's not Jesus. Mm -hmm. Right. It, yeah. It's right. Joshua. It's Joshua, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So, you know, very, very common uh you know, first century uh, name among the Jewish people. Yeah, generally, we're, we're going to use terminology that emphasizes more of the Jewishness okay. of, of Jesus and the early church. I, I really appreciate what Philip Yancey wrote in his book, The Jesus I Never Knew. I don't know okay. if you ever read that book. It's I have, one, of my, yes. one of my favorite books on Jesus. He's got a chapter in the book called Jewish Roots and Soil. Okay. And he writes in this chapter, we can no more understand Jesus. Oh, he doesn't say we. He says I. He says I can no more understand Jesus apart from his Jewishness, any more than I can understand Gandhi apart from his Indianness. Mm. And he continues and he writes, if we really want to get to know Jesus's story as we would anyone else's story, we need to learn something of his culture, family, and background. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And. I, I couldn't agree with uh, Yancey more. Interesting. Good, a good recommendation. Yeah, I, I would say, too, I think one of the aspects that maybe Messianic Jews bring to the table is the humanity of Jesus. Mm. Who is Jesus as a human being as he walked this earth? Uh, how did he, I mean, when we think about, you know, of all the people, you know, who've, who've ever lived on the earth, he did have uh, the choice to choose where and when to be born. Mm -hmm. Right. And he chooses this particular people, this particular culture. And so um, I, I think it does help us to better understand a bit more about who Jesus is when we root him more deeply in in the Jewish soil of his day. While we're on this topic, are there resources that you would recommend people who are not familiar with seeing Jesus from from his a very Jewish, you know, his Jewishness? What are some types of books or resources that you would recommend that would be good starts, whether it's the Yancey book or other uh, resources, whether they're scholarly or more popular or whatever? Yeah, so on, on the more popular side, I would say for for uh, a Christian audience, 
I really appreciate uh, Robbie Gallaty's book uh, called The Forgotten Jesus, uh, How Western Christians Should Follow an Eastern Rabbi is is the subtitle of his book. He's a, he's a pastor of a Baptist church, uh, I think it's in Kentucky. Um, I also really have come to appreciate uh, Lois Tverberg's uh, books. Uh, she's got a, a book titled Walking in, in the Dust of Rabbi Jesus. Uh, the other book that I re- would recommend that's a little bit more scholarly is called Our Father Abraham, uh, mm-hmm. Jewish Roots of the Christian Faith by Marvin Wilson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Marvin Wilson, uh, who was at uh, Gordon College uh, in Massachusetts. So okay. um, those those are a few. Uh, I could always uh, recommend more if somebody wants to reach okay. out to me, and, and I'd be happy to share a, a good mm-hmm. list with them. So I guess, let me ask, what would be, in case we, and, and maybe there's not, there's no answer here, you've already, we've already covered it, but what would be something that you would say to us, whether it's evangelicals or just Protestant Christians in general saying, you would like us to know about Messianic Judaism and, and Messianic Jewish people? I, I think what is, uh, to me, what would be helpful is for them to know we are very much a part of the larger body of Messiah, that the vast majority of us are not anti-church in in the way that you may go about living out how you express uh, your faith. We have gleaned and learned a tremendous amount uh, from our non-Jewish brothers and sisters. And so I I think we would just ask that you would invite us to the conversation, invite invite us to the table. And and Rob, I and and Vinny, I so appreciate that you've done that Mm. uh, with me today. And there's many others of me, uh, far deeper thinkers than me, um, who would be more than happy to to be a part of of the conversations. Is there a, I'm imagining that many of the members of your Messianic communities have family members that are practicing Jews in terms of Judaism. And is there tension there? And how does that work? Kind of help us understand that that context a little bit better. Yeah, generally, there is is uh, very significant tension um, mm. be, between the two. Um, I think it's very hard for them to embrace the idea that a Jew who believed in Jesus is still Jewish. Mm. Mm. I mean, the the overwhelming message um, that's been um, encouraged within the Jewish community for centuries is that once a Jew comes to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, they're no longer Jewish. Mm-hmm. Um, that sadly has also be that has also been reinforced in the church, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? You know, where Jews who come to believe are basically told stop acting Jewish, mm-hmm. and so when they see us believing in Jesus and still um, acting like Jews, it, it to them, it's like, I don't, you know, that doesn't always make sense to me. Now, I will say, fortunately, over the last uh, 15, 20 years, more and more of them have become welcoming of the idea. Okay. Uh, more and, and more of them, you mean more and more of the Jewish community? The, the Jewish community. Okay. Uh, seeing guys like me okay. as as still being Jewish. Okay, and that okay. it's really more now about a theological difference that that we you know we we just we see Jesus differently, and I would say that this is 
because within the Jewish community, there's there's a growing level of tolerance. And so, yeah, it, and it always, I'll, I'll just say, it really depends on which Jewish person you're right, talking yeah. to. Right, right. Yeah. And which Messianic Jewish person you're talking to, too. As well, yeah. 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 Can I ask then, it, so some of that evangelical zeal where evangelicals say, hey, no, you Messianic Jews have to become more Christian and leave your Judaism behind. Because to be truly Christian, you need to do this, worship on Sunday, acknowledge that the feast days were fulfilled by Jesus, and therefore they're no longer relevant. Some of that kind of hardcore zeal creates tension for you with your own Jewish family members and, and friends and relatives who aren't, who haven't become Christians or haven't become Messianic Christians. Exactly. Okay. You, you yeah. said it perfectly. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And so this, this is why I would encourage uh, the larger church affirm Jewish believers as still being Jews. The the more you do that, mm. then the the easier it is for us and and even for you right. to communicate to Jews who do not yet believe that Jesus is the Messiah that the most Jewish thing you can do is believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Okay. And yeah, would right. you say a lot of uh the reasoning for maybe a Gentile Christian to want to encourage or dissuade a Jewish, a Messianic Jewish person from embracing their Jewishness is because of just ignorance. I, like, and I'll speak using I statements for me growing up, largely not knowing anything about Judaism. It was this idea that something like not even really having an idea of what Hanukkah was and thinking, mm -hmm. why would you celebrate Hanukkah? That's against Christmas and just having no clue. Like, like it was like the anti-Christmas or something. And and it wasn't until I learned later in life what exactly something like Hanukkah was, or it's like, oh, you could still celebrate Hanukkah. It's, it's not a problem. It's not conflicting with, with Christmas at all. Uh, is, is it just an ignorance thing that you find that that's the reason why Gentile Christians might want to push yeah, against I, that? I really think it comes from, from the teaching that the Old Testament is all about law, uh -huh. right? Mm -hmm. Right, uh -huh. a Lutheran view, by yeah, the way. right. Yeah, and yeah. The, you know, and the New Testament is all about grace. Yeah, and yeah. Now we're under grace, and none of those yeah. old things are are relevant uh, to to us anymore. And so I think that's the baggage that that we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's been because we we haven't done a good job uh, teaching that no. God is a God of grace, a God of mercy, a God of forgiveness, all throughout. Right. Uh, you know the, the, his relationship with with the people of Israel. So I think that's where it comes from, and I think it comes from we haven't really done a good job teaching that the the New Testament is is a book that was written primarily, if not exclusively, by Jews, mm -hmm. right? About a Jewish rabbi who had great impact not only within the, the Jewish community, but within uh, the Gentile community. Uh, you know, Vinny, you brought up uh, Hanukkah. How many, how many Christians know that Hanukkah is mentioned right. in the New Testament? Exactly. Yeah. John 10. Right. Well, I was going to say, once again, Gospel of John. Yeah. John chapter 10, it's the Feast of Dedication, of mm -hmm. course, yep. which is That's the right. appropriate English translation mm -hmm. of the word Hanukkah. Yeah. But we don't even know, most Christians don't know that, yeah, Jesus was at the temple at Hanukkah. Right. Um, and that's a great week. We could talk a lot of, uh, about that passage and the significance of the of the historical background mm. um, of, of Hanukkah and how that relates mm. to what Jesus is doing. And I think why he's at the temple at that time, pointing towards his divinity. But uh, yeah, these are the things that I think we need to get better at uh, in the church. Excellent. Excellent. 
let's finish up with how can we connect with you or your ministry or find out more what's going on or are there ways that we can support you and your ministry or our listeners can support you and your ministry? Yeah, so I would uh, just say, uh, go to go to my website, uh, real simple, uh, kesherproject.com. Uh, there's there's information there about how to get a hold of me and some of the, the programs um, that I offer. If anyone would ever be interested in having me to having me to their church, I'd be happy to do that. But uh, there's some resources there that people can can check out. Nice. So I, I'm going to suggest something, Rob. Yeah. Throwing you on the spot now. We do a Christmas episode where we go through Hanukkah and with Justin, the three of us, and we talk about that. That's what we're going to do for Christmas this year. That, that, I think it'd be great. By the way, I think I'd rather do Hanukkah. I, know, I mean, Christmas is like one day, isn't Hanukkah like twelve days? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's, it's like eight days. It's eight okay, it's eight days. It's a lot better, in my opinion. Than hey, just one. Yeah, eight days. With, you know, obviously, it might be hard buying presents every single day, but you get this. I love. You know, I mean, I look at it, Justin, and and think of the communal element, right, that you have there. And I respect that because, you know, my family moved from Boston when I was a little child to California, and, and that severed us from our family. It severed us from our aunts and uncles and cousins and grandparents or anything else. And so I never grew up with a community like that at all. I, I didn't have it in a nuclear family, let alone um, anywhere else. And so I, I kind of respect that. And I think that's something that looking back on, yeah, you know, just because they became Christian doesn't mean that they have to leave their Jewishness behind. You know, Vinny can still have spaghetti tonight, you know, right? That's so, right. We would never want Vinny to, to leave his Italianness uh, yeah. at the door. So, hey, thank you so much. Appreciate this. It's been a pleasure to be with you guys. Really yeah. appreciate what you're doing. So, Hanukkah episode, we'll book it. <laughs> <laughs> No, but Justin, thanks for hanging out today. Hope everyone you could check out in the show notes on the uh, on the podcast uh, app. We'll link to your information, and uh, you can connect him on social media or whatever that is. And uh, yeah, thanks for uh, stopping by, Justin. And we'll see everyone soon. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Please subscribe to and like our podcast. You can follow Rob's blog at DeterminedTruth.com or purchase his books on Amazon.com. See you next time.